Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Hello everybody and welcome to the Box Score Breakdown for Friday the 15th of January 2021 and I am your host Mr Jolly of Sydney. My partner, the other host, is of course Scotty Harland aka the Harlander and while there can be only one, he's actually the Harlander23 on Twitter. Of course growing up as a Michael Jordan fan which explains that, that is H-A-R-Lander23. I am Mr. Jolly of Sydney on Twitter. Shout out as ever to the big knobs from Hoopball, Aaron Bruski and Dan Bresperus and all the other crew over there. Uh, don't forget to get involved. Get over and check them out on hoop-ball.com. Some of the great content and stuff going on over there. Now, speaking of great content, I'll just jump right into today. Very exciting day in the NBA with lots of stuff going on and very exciting for me because I am joined again by Pedro Dereste, one of my favorite uh, NBA fantasy mentors, experts, connoisseurs, whatever you like to say. Pedro. Hey, Aaron. Uh, thanks for having me again. Uh, I'm not bringing the stats today, but uh, there's a lot to talk about. That's for sure. Yeah, yes, indeed. There is a lot to talk about. And let's kick the show off today by talking about sort of, I think a thing that for a lot of people is at the front of their sort of mind, a lot of, and other people kind of at the back looming, this, the coronavirus stuff. It really is a bit of a SHIT show in head-to-head leagues at the moment for a lot of people with guys being out with postponements, some guys having COVID. Uh, and then today we've got the news that Cat uh, has COVID, which, of course, we should start by saying very rough for him at a personal level after everything that he's been through. Uh, and it also brings up the possibility of a league pause. What do you see happening with this, Pedro? I don't know. I think uh, I read it was... Uh, we're on we're on the fourth week and it was 13 postponed games already. I think the NBA has to, at the very least, expand rosters, but I'm pretty sure there's going to be a pause at some point because even expanding rosters, that's not going to increase the quality of basketball being played. I mean, this is some of the worst NBA basketball we've seen in years, uh, at least since the lockout season. Yeah, now, there were some of the games today were pretty bad to watch. The Celtics-Magic game, I watched quite a bit of that, was... Not fantastic basketball. The OKC uh, Chicago game was amazing, mostly because of the you know Shea Gilgis Alexander and Zach Levine among others. But uh, there is some pretty rough basketball. What about fantasy strategy? Because it does the show does roll on. I talked about this with other people this week on the shows I did. Probably, if you can go back in time, you play roto. But let's say you're not playing roto, you're in head-to-head category leagues. Any words of wisdom for people in those leagues about what to do, especially if they're, they cannot expand the bench or expand the number of IR spots? 
Yeah, thankfully, in most leagues, you can expand uh, IR or IL spots midseason, and I think your commissioner should do that. If not, then <laughs> that's not a well-run league. But uh, it's kind of a paradox, right? Because if you, if you, like, you would normally say, okay, so you want to handcuff your studs. But then if you, you waste roster spots on handcuffs, then you end up missing out on streams for, like, other players who, you know, get COVID or, or go into the health protocols and then their backups step up and, and they would become like hot fantasy ads. Right. So, so it's, it's really weird. I haven't really found a, a balance and I've caught myself sort of like dropping players who then go on to have like really good games because of uh, like COVID uh, other players are in COVID pro- protocols. For example, Peyton Pritchard today, like had a really good game out of nowhere and I had dropped him everywhere. Cause you know, he missed two games in a week. Mm. Um, it's just a, a strange thing to prepare for, and I think it's just like a, a battle of attrition right now. Uh, there's going to be a lot of luck involved, more more than usual this year. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the th- one thing I've talked about potentially doing you could do before is if you've got two players from the same team on your roster, maybe consider a trade. If you've got three players, you definitely want to trade one of the way because if that team gets PBDs in your like playoff week, you're just going to be dead. Yeah, yeah. And and I think I'll add to that, you have to expand your watch list. Um, I mean, even if you play in 12 teams, 10 teams, you have to have a pretty robust watch list. So you know who to add as soon as that news comes out that somebody's, you know, either sick or, or they're in the health protocols. Because, uh, I mean, this is moving faster than fantasy analysts can even keep up with it. Yeah. So, uh, so uh, you really do need to, like, keep an eye and know exactly, like, sort of intuitively who to add if if, say, somebody like Carl Anthony Towns is out, which is the case now, of course. Yeah, and I mean, that's a good point, which goes back to your previous point about about what, like, having handcuffs, because Naz Reed is probably not going to play at least a couple of games. So I'm like, oh, do I go and add Naz Reed now? Because he's he's the, the guy who maybe benefits from Cat being out, but then he might not play for two or three games. There could be an outbreak in Minnesota. So it's... <laughs> it's it's tough, isn't it? Um, I like the idea about the watch list thing. And I, I've got a couple of examples here for you. Like one, I mean, this is to do with the, the Harden trade, but it could have been because someone had COVID. Sterling Brown had just a huge game uh, yesterday for Houston. And he's a guy now that I'm watching because if, you know, well, I know that he can go and get 20 plus points and stuff categories if he gets the opportunity. And and shout out to you for helping me with that uh, 2014 deep league because I have Sterling Brown on my roster. And even though I have Kyrie as well, Sterling Brown has been, and, and, and others that I got late have been keeping me above water because of coronavirus, ironically. Yeah, yeah. So so that's another good one. Uh, Nas Reed, Jared Vanderbilt, Peyton Pritchard. But the most important one, I think it's Tyrese Maxey. Tyrese Maxey was like on a night where about five or six Sixers players were ruled out at the same time all of a sudden. If you waited for, you know, other fantasy news outlets to sort of tell you who to add, you would have lost out on Tyrese Maxey's, you know, 30 plus point explosion. So it's one of these things where you have to go like at least 10 players deep into every roster and know more or less like which fantasy players uh, or which players would thrive in fantasy if given the minutes. Uh, Maxi definitely falls into that category. So, yeah, I mean, what can I say? Uh, us dynasty managers are really thriving this year, huh? We get to see our, our young guns playing early in their careers, huh? Yeah, it's, it's sort of a, a bit more like real life, isn't it? Because you get those those deep 
deep guys that you've stashed away suddenly going off and you go, wow, these guys are actually pretty good. Um, <laughs> speaking of someone else who's pretty good, what we normally do with Pedro and how those of you listening for the first time to me on a show with Pedro, we go back to uh, one of his appearances last year on uh, the, the genesis of our kind of friendship, I guess, goes back to uh, Pedro appearing on the Fantasy NBA podcast with Dan Vespers, which most of you, of course, listen to and, and, and know well. Uh, Pedro does rest a season value on players, especially breakout players last year. He made a bit of a name for himself with Fred Van Vliet, among others. Um, this year, we already did a breakdown on Lou Dort and we did Keldon Johnson, who, by the way, we should start by saying Keldon was pretty incredible yesterday, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's got the role, he's got the minutes, and it just turns out that he's very good. So, uh, yeah, I was right on the money with that one. Lou Dort made me look bad today, but I'm still I'm, I'm sticking with my guns here. Yeah, and so for people who didn't listen to the, the previous show with Pedro, which is about 10 days ago now, he talked about Keldon Johnson having very strong rest of season value. And, and by the way, he's now, I think, on a per-game basis inside the top 30 or 35 players. And then he talked about Lou Dort being a guy who basically is probably going to be an end-of-the-roster guy and potentially you stream him for someone of more value if someone comes along. And up until today, that was proving true for both of them. But Dort had a had a pretty huge game. I think he had six steals today, didn't he? Uh, well, sure, sure he did. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> but but look, I I I was streaming him, and I did let him go, and I streamed Diallo and other guys in, and and you were right for the most part. He, I think, up until today, over the last two weeks, he was around one hundred and eightieth or something like that in the the previous two weeks. So he has not been great. Today, we're going to talk about someone who has been great, as we jokingly called him, Chris Boucher. Have you got a voucher for Chris Boucher, we said yesterday. of his call, It is, of course, Chris Boucher. Now, uh, tell us about Chris Boucher. Are you as hot on him as everybody else is? Why or why not? Yeah, I thought I thought it was higher on him than, than most people. And then the season started and I realized, wow, there's a lot of uh, uh, Chris Boucher fans out there. But uh, yeah, I mean... There's sort of like a media saturation of Chris Boucher content right now, isn't there? Like everybody wants to talk about this uh, this this kid from Montreal. Uh, I'm just gonna start out with the obvious, like um, you know he's killing it. He's a 20th ranked player, uh, but I wanted to break down his games in terms of like the role that he's playing. So in games where he gets over 25 minutes per game. Uh, he's averaging 23 points, 8.6 rebounds, 2.6 threes, 3.2 blocks on 65% field goal and 75% free throw. And this is only on a modest uh, 21% usage. So these are the numbers that people like that really pop, that make people think like, okay, Chris Boucher is this fantasy dynamo. But those are only five games. Uh, the rest of his six games, he's played less than than 25 minutes, and he's only really had one uh, impactful game in those. So this is another thing to keep in mind, that he is still strictly a bench player. Mm. And you you think he's more like potentially a six-man-of-the-year type candidate, like it's the energy from the bench rather than him, like one of the things in your notes is here, Nick Nurse might be re- reluctant to play him more than 25 minutes because he doesn't have that instant offense? Yeah, I mean, you talk to anybody from Raptors Twitter and they'll, they'll tell you all about Chris Boucher because 
Chris Boucher is no secret. I know the the national media sort of uh, talking about him as coming out of nowhere or whatever, but he's a 28-year-old uh, third-year player. So we, we know like none of these stats are really off, for, uh, too far off from his per 36 averages for his career. Uh, so when people talk about him as a most improved player, uh, I don't think he quite fits the criteria. He's more of a true six man because he does fill that role where he, you know, he provides instant offense. He can play power forward, you know, in a pinch. Uh, and then he's also papering over the obvious weakness of that starting lineup, which is, as you know, your fellow Australian um, Aaron Baines, who has not been the most effective uh, starting center in the NBA right yeah. now. And Baines, he might be cooked. I mean, he is, what, I think he's 33 or something like that this season, and uh, he has not looked good. One of the issues that he's had previously is that he had the, the fouling problems, a bit like Mitchell Robinson and Jaron Jackson Jr., and he, he even fouled out once in this really hot stretch. But Nurse is giving a bit more of uh, – he's not giving him the quick hook as much as he used to. Yeah, exactly. So, But that comes with its own – caveats right so um so because he's this instant offense type of player nick nurse has shown a reluctance to play him over that 25 minute mark when he doesn't bring the offense instantly so that means that 28 to 30 minutes per game role that he's been averaging lately likely won't stick when he inevitably inevitably starts having bad games on offense you can see in this season he's had four games where his shooting's off a little bit and nick nurse just sits him because he's not doing his job his job is to come in score 15 points or something like that quickly and if he's not doing that early then you'll see him uh like exit the game with 12 to like 16 minutes per game and obviously you know his ceiling is capped in those situations but then in previous years as you mentioned uh nurse has had issues with his fouling like he's 16th in foul rate this year uh last year he was somewhere around 12 or 13 sandwiched between perennial hackers mitchell robinson and jaron jackson and uh you know these fouling issues aren't really going away he's that type of player he doesn't really have the physicality to body up with people so he he jumps and lunges at at at, at anybody who takes shots within his vicinity and that leads to fouls mm. and it also leads to a lot of blocks which is one of his strong the strongest uh, values that he's part of, that he's returning so um what do we think might happen uh, rest of season do you see him what kind of value to see do you see him returning and also what about sell highs on Chris Boucher? Yeah, so I think uh, we've heard the sell high on Chris Boucher. I don't think you should pursue a sell high too aggressively. He is the 20th best player. You know, you have to be skilled. You have to be good. You have to have a cemented role to to, to get up to, to number 20 per game after, what, 12 game, uh, games, 13 games it's been. So he's definitely got rest of season value. Uh, the thing is that I don't think he's going to reach his ceiling because I don't think he has the body. And I think, remember, this is the same Raptors team that was courting Tristan Thompson in the offseason they, before they had to settle for Alex Lynn and Aaron Baines. So I don't think the, the Raptors are done adding to their roster. And I think at some point they're going to try to bolster that front court, um, which I don't think that takes away from from Boucher's floor. I think he has a low twenties in minutes role guaranteed. I just don't think you're going to see a lot of low thirties games uh, or as many as you've seen in the past two weeks. Mm. That said, Aaron, I, I, I want to be completely honest because I don't want people to sell uh, just, you know, 
just on impulse. So this this guy can give you top 50 numbers in only like 22 to 25 minutes per game. So so if you're fine with the inconsistency and with the frustration that he's not going to have, you know, the 37 minutes per game that Lowry gets, then sure, hold him. Uh, he's got, he's third in, in, in the league in blocks. And I'm pretty sure that you're going to get like top 50 numbers. If you do sell high, try to get a top 30 in return. Yeah. So now if I'm trying to get him, now this is the sort of, this is the inverse of it, which is like the buy high. These are the, the flip sides, the sort of dark side of the dream. Sell lows and buy highs are what we try not to do unless we want to, we can be, what was the line from that song that um, used to be, I think it was something called like boxing clever. Can we be boxing clever and buy high? If I was to do that, giving away DeAndre Ayton for him, given that that Dan and other people have been talking about Ayton maybe finishing in that 40 to 50 range, is that probably not worth doing? Uh, where, where you would be getting Boucher? Yeah, I would be getting Boucher and sending Aiton away. By the way, I wish I'd done it with Nurk. I had an opportunity to get Boucher with Nurk and I didn't do it. Um, but uh, but Aiton uh, is now one of the guys, underperforming bigs that I've got. He's probably the, the most underperforming big on any of my rosters that I drafted in the top five or six rounds. Yeah, I wouldn't do it. Boucher is definitely a more exciting fantasy player, but I think, you know, uh, Aiton writes the ship and he'll give you those boring big man stats eventually. Um, and this is the other thing, like, you know, it's hard to play with Chris Paul initially, you know, he really does take control <laughs> over right. his teams and, and Aiton's a bit of a young knucklehead. So, uh, he'll get it together. I don't think he'll be a top 20 asset this year though, Aiton. Uh, but he'll definitely settle into that 30 to 50 range and that's fine. Thankfully uh, I didn't draft him in many league. <laughs> good stuff. You know, another thing that is fine, Pedro, is the fantasy pass. It's still the best deal in the industry at four nine nine a month. And now that we're into the regular season, there is zero commitment. Sign up for one month for five bucks. If you don't like it, you can cancel. We know that you'll love it, but it's always nice to have that option. Of course, the fantasy pass has everything you'll need to dominate all year long, updating projections, new fantasy appraiser tools, schedule and streaming charts, pickups, drops, and the newest, coolest feature, the HoopBall Discord server, which I talk about a lot, where you can hang out with the HoopBall pros around the clock, get one-on-one help with your team. So do check it out. Head to hoop-ball.com and click on the fantasy pass ad just below the main media wall. Discord is really rocking if that's your thing. Now, the first game on the slate, this is the box score breakdown, so we should jump into those was the New York Knicks losing by three points in a thriller against the Cleveland Cavaliers, two five and seven teams meeting. Now, I do use the word thriller loosely because neither of these teams is very good and both of them had players missing. Uh, Julius Randle demonstrating that by committing a clear path foul with the Knicks down by one point with one minute to go. That was a good sum up of some of the uh, uh, crap that's out there at times with the way they play. But what was not crap was Andre Drummond. He had an absolutely massive night. The first 30 and 20 game for the Cleveland Cavaliers since 2004 by the one and only Carlos Boozer. His line was just ridiculous. He had 33 points, 23 rebounds, three assists, two steals, two blocks, 13 for 19 from the foul line. That's the only bad thing. And 10 for 18. Is it possible to roster this guy and not punt three throw percentage? At this point, uh, he's also forcing people to punt field goal. Uh, you know, if you look at a season long stats, he's shooting 47% from the field, which, you know, from a center, that is 
really bad. Mm. Um, uh, no, you can't have him and not expect like a huge hit to free throw at least. And, you know, on some weeks he'll also kill your field goal. Because, uh, you know, you have a center supposed to anchor your, your field goal category, and he doesn't really do that most most weeks. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a big asterisk, but his, uh, his counting stats are amazing, as usual. If you look at – he's 44th on a per-game basis, and if you look at the players with the biggest kind of imbalance in terms of their positives and negatives, there is Miles Turner, Drummond, uh, Giannis, Rudy Gobert, Three of them are just because their their free throw percentage is so bad, and of course uh, Turner is there because it's the blocks that's providing the massive value for him. But those four four guys and Cody Zeller is an before he got injured, his foul shooting was just so bad as well. But uh, yeah, you definitely need to be punting. I mean, he to give you an idea of how imbalanced he is, he's twice as bad as Zion in terms of those imbalances. Uh, it is pretty shocking, but that those are massive massive numbers that he's uh, thrown up today. Uh, another guy who is massive in a different way, massive because where you drafted him, the value he provides, Larry Nance, he had 14 points, nine rebounds, five assists, two steals, one block, six for 10 for the field. I have to say thank you for Larry because he's one of the guys I have on my 24 team, thanks to you. But you're the rest of season, man. Does he provide that value rest of season post-trade? Um, I, I mean, whew. he's, uh, he's ranked 46 right now. I, I don't think he can keep it up as the team tries, you know, they're going to try to reintegrate Kevin Love at some point. Uh, but, and he's also not going to play 45 minutes every game. Uh, so, uh, no, yeah. Larry Nance, I think has a shot for the top 100. Uh, and, and there's an argument to be made that he's a better player than Kevin Love at this point in their respective careers. Uh, so yeah, yeah. As long as you don't, you know, just don't get married to those top 50 numbers. You'll be satisfied with what he gives you. And what about Jared Allen coming in? Yeah, that'll that'll hurt, right? Because it's a squeeze for Nance on, in both directions. It's like uh, Allen coming in at the five spot, and then Tarian Prince coming in at the three spot. So those are two positions that Larry Nance uh, gets some minutes in. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he's a he's an obvious sell high candidate, but he just doesn't have the name recognition to to bag you like another top fifty. Mm. But if you can trade him for a top fifty, sixty type player, I, I'd do that in a heartbeat. Yeah, he's probably what what Pedro says there makes sense. He's probably a guy that you end up holding and just riding it until the very death, and then helping, hoping that well, hoping is the wrong word, just trusting that Kevin Love is not going to remain healthy for the whole season. And who knows what happens with Drummond as well. Drummond could still get moved. I, I think he's a guy you hold. I don't think I would trade him away for a top 80 guy. I'd have to get 50 or 60 back. Otherwise, I'm holding him. Uh, another player who plays for the Cavaliers is Chetty Osman. He had 25 points, three rebounds, five assists, two steals. We don't need to talk about Chetty. We talked about him a lot. He'll kill your field goal. Today, he was 10 for 20. You go out and buy a lottery ticket when he shoots 50%, don't you? <laughs> yeah, uh, you stream him, and then as soon as Garland and Sexton come back, you forget about him because he's not going to get to 25 26% usage uh, on most nights, on really on any night when those other two are healthy. The Cavs have not looked good without our man Darius Garland, have they? No, no. They, I was actually very excited for them, but without Sexland, they're just same old Cavs. Yeah. <laughs> Both, both him and Garland were just amazing, and I look forward to having both of them back. They're five and seven now. I think they're still a sneaky outside shot at making the top eight, aren't they? Once they get these new players and if they integrate them, they're pretty deep. 
yeah, I'm hoping they sort of uh, like really let the young kids play. You know, and I'm, I'm, I'm considering Nance a young kid in this instance. Uh, but for them to do that, they'd have to get rid of Andre Drummond. Andre Drummond just does not play winning basketball at this point in his career. He's, he's, uh, he's more checked out than what Harden was in Houston. I'll just say that. <laughs> well, well, his uh, his rebuttal for you today would be him getting a, the game winning steal with like twenty seconds to go. And I think I wasn't sure who was more shocked. It was the Cavs announcer, or or his teammates, or Andre Drummond himself, or the Knicks guy that he stole it with. He was like, "You don't win basketball games." But, uh, they did win this one thanks to that's the game winning steal uh, for the New York Knicks. Julius Randle is a guy we've talked about before. Uh, he's still a sell-high candidate, but I can't bring myself to sell him, Pedro. 28 points, six rebounds, six assists, uh, 11 for 20 from the field. His field goal percentage has been um, really good this season, and he was four for five from the foul. He hit two three-pointers as well. Uh, the problem with Julius is everybody knows that he's a sell-high and that he's not really very good. So what I've tried to sell high, I can't get anything back that I would give him up for. So I'm, I'm probably be stuck with him, aren't I? Yeah, you kind of are. And then if he fits your build, then who's to say that Thibodeau doesn't give him this role for the rest of the season? And and this year, he's actually a marginal positive in free throw, which I think that's going to come down. But still, he's going to be like a net neutral in free throw for the first time in his career. I think you can actually ride the Randall train to the end of the season uh, because, I mean, of course, he might get hurt playing 38 minutes a game. But but at this point, yeah, nobody's going to respect the fact that he's putting up these numbers. So. Yeah, because he's top. He's 28th on a per-game basis. And that Roto team I drafted without any help from you, which you said was terrible, I'm on top of the league. <laughs> 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 Remember no. the one you were like, trade this guy away, get rid of this guy. And it's just part of the reason is because he's just been incredible. And I've, I, I think I've got a couple of guys you do like in there. I've got Brandon Clark. Uh, not Brandon Clark, sorry. I've got Rashawn Holmes and a few other big guys who are really performing for me in that that league. But I won't bore people. Uh, I do digress. Uh, for the New York Knicks, another player who is uh, good at fantasy is uh, Mitchell Robinson. He only played 28 minutes today. Don't worry if you saw him go off with an ankle injury. He came back and he played at the end. He only had five points, but he had three steals and a block. Mitchell Robinson, does he end up in the top 50? Yeah, same argument with uh, Julius Randle. I mean, Thibodeau is a very – once he actually settles on a rotation, he's very transparent. Like, he's the most predictable coach there is. He's going to play his five starters 35-plus minutes, and then there's no in-between, you know, playing 35 and 15 minutes. Hmm. So nobody gets 20 minutes. It's like – it's it's kind of insane. And that's I so true. Saw this, yeah. It's so, Go I was just going to say today, so Austin Rivers, 17, Nerland Snoll, 17, Kevin Knox, 17. Obi top in 10 minutes. That's what you said is exactly right. There's only one guy on the bench who played more. That was quickly who had 27 minutes. He he had a great game, by the way. 23 points, five rebounds, four assists, one steal, one block, nine for 17 from the field. He's the kind of guy, and it's ironic. Well, not ironic. It's kind of synchronous with his name because I would I was just about to quickly go out and grab quickly, and then you were like, whoa, Aaron, hang on. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, like, I just don't buy a rookie, you know, late round pick getting uh, 30% usage. Uh, and it's not that there's a lot of competition, but Alec Burks is going to come back at some point and eat into some of those minutes and usage. So I like quickly in deeper leagues. It's just he's marginal on 12 teams and, and shallower. 
And Austin Rivers looks like a drop. I streamed him for a couple of games. He just had two points, two rebounds, two assists. He was zero for four from deep and only had six shots. Uh, RJ Barrett was pretty good. He had 20 points, uh, three assists. He had two blocks. He does get some of those defensive stats to make up for his bad shooting, but it was actually quite good today. Seven for 12 from the field and two for four from deep. The second game of the evening was one of those games we said was not very good. And you know a game is not close when you tune into the last quarter and see Taco Fall is banking in jump shots with his foot on the three-point line. <laughs> the Celtics won this game, 124-97. to 97. Uh, Two depleted teams by way of having better depth and probably the best players on the court in Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart, whose stats were not great, but he was plus 28 in his first game for a while. Now, the Magic don't look very good at the moment, do they? No, they only had two positive contributors for fantasy today with uh, Vucevic and Kem Birch. This is a uh, stay away type of team unless somebody emerges. Yeah, so uh, Kem Birch had 12 points and 12 rebounds. Is he a 12-team stream? He has been, I think, for the for the last week and a half or so. Uh, yeah, just don't, yeah, don't commit too much to him because at some point it's going to go away. Now, Cole Anthony is a guy bouncing on and off rosters because he's, he's a guy a bit like Chetty who will destroy your field goal percentage. Seven for 18 today, but he had 15 points, six rebounds, three assists. Is he on any of your teams? He was as of uh, yesterday, and then I cut him because it's just, yeah, it's just not worth it. Like the three, four assists per game that he, he's going to give, you can, you can stream. Uh, the rebounds that, that he's he's getting, uh, you can also stream. There's no stat of his except maybe the points that you can't easily replace off the wire. So, uh, you know, I'd rather do that than have to suffer his toxic percentages. Mm. Aaron Gordon had 17 points today. He only had two rebounds, only three assists. He had no steals or no blocks. He's another guy who... People have been talking about him being good, but as my buddy Mike pointed out, he's still around 150th at the moment, and he's not that great, is he? He's not. Well, I've I've talked about him before. Um, yeah, I don't think he's ready. He's ever going to take that next step. And whatever soft tissue injury he had, hamstring injury, it seems like it's been bothering him because he still has his minutes limited somewhat. It's amazing. We're four weeks in. And this game is so weird because of the coronavirus stuff, because of no Tatum, because we still don't have Kemba Walker back, because it was the first game for a while. The Celtics are just messy, even if there aren't these problems, aren't they? Because outside of Jalen Brown and Tatum and Smart, there's no real must-own guys, is there? No, and you know, you're still waiting until the, the front court rotation sort of like settles down because we're between, you know, Daniel Dice, Tristan Thompson, Grant Williams, Robert Williams. It's like one of these is going to be useful for, for fantasy, but it's really hard to predict which one is going to be, uh, is going to take off for the night. Yeah, and that's, it's so frustrating. So I would prefer to have the, the OKC Thunder guys we're going to talk about later, or even maybe a guy like, um, like Pat Williams or something, because if I get Pritchard or I've got Tease or I've got Jeff Teague uh, or I had Grant Williams for a little while thinking he was going to break out, but just good luck trying to predict it. Yeah, I don't think. I think uh, you want to deal with the guards and, and their wings, but their big man rotation, you can avoid it. Uh, Pritchard looks pretty good, though. That's uh, I think he's more than a stream. I think he's actually rosterable in 12 teams. But but he's an example of a guy. I think we talked about this, didn't we? I dropped him. I had him, but I dropped him because he's missing games this week. He had 16 points, four rebounds, three assists. Now I did I did 
sort of force myself to watch some of this game. He made just a fantastic left-handed pass from the three, the top of the key three-point line uh, to set as an assist to set up a. I think it might have even been an and one beautiful pass, and he's got some really crafty moves on the inside as well. Yeah, I was uh, talking to some of my friends about him, comparing him to to Divincenzo last year, who was like this white boy who's like more athletic than people think and putting up like pretty interesting stats and like really athletic plays. But we sort of don't buy into it until like a, uh, a month into the season. But yeah, I think Pritchard, Pritchard is a really good shooter and I think his steals and his other defensive stats are real. So that's why I'm advocating for him as a 12 team ad. Well, there you go. Even, even though Kemba's coming back, I got to mention that. Yeah, I think he is one that I would be willing to have a bit of a gamble on and he might still be around in a couple of places. The only problem is when you play in leagues with a lot of Celtics guys, you're probably not going to get him. Um, the third game on the slate was the Dallas Mavericks up against the Milwaukee Bucks, and this was actually a good game of basketball. Uh, both teams have most of their players available. The Bucks won by 112 points to 109. Kristaps Porzingis actually had a chance to tie the game late on. He missed a game-tying three-pointer. He really did clank it off. But it is fantastic to see Kristaps back. He had 15 points, 10 rebounds, one assist. Didn't have, I had two blocks as well, that block value. He was a pretty putrid six for 19 from the field, but I guess that will pick up. And I should be very happy, shouldn't I? Because I stashed him in three leagues and he only missed three and a half weeks of the season. Touch wood. And he's playing 29 minutes in only his second game back. Uh, yeah, he'll be good to go. Don't, uh, no worries about his uh, field goal percentage. It's not going to be great, but it's also never going to be this bad most mm. nights. So uh, yeah, and a 35% usage to boot. So he came to play. Yeah, and they, and they actually do look good. It's a little bit messy because I, I think they're missing Jay Rich and a couple of other guys out there and um, what's his name, Finney Smith as well, who can kind of stabilize them a bit. I mean, playing Corley Stein 30 minutes, asking Hardaway Jr. to play 37 minutes. I mean, Hardaway Jr. is not that great. He had 22 points, uh, six rebounds. Of course, no assists because he's a gunner. He's a chucker. He had nine for 17 from the field. Again, he's another one. If he gets more than 50% from the field, go buy yourself a lottery ticket. Trey Burke, um, if THJ is the definition of streaky, then Burke is the definition of streaky-er because he is just super streaky, isn't he? He had 13 points, three rebounds, one assist. He was three of six from deep, five of 12 from the field. James Johnson is a deep league guy, maybe even an end of 12-team roster streamer. If people are streaming Justin Holiday, could they stream James Johnson, who had 13 points, three assists, two steals, and two blocks for those defensive stats? I think so. If you're just chasing defensive stats, uh, I've been streaming Justin Holiday in a lot of leagues, and the, the steals haven't been coming in. James Johnson's have been a lot more consistent. So, yeah, I think he's a short-term streamer for sure. And the Mavs games tend to be kind of a bit messy and kind of crazy as well. Like the, the last five minutes of that game was just manic, uh, the way they play. I think Luca just causes all kinds of carnage, both for the opposition, but also for his own team sometimes. <laughs> like So I think it's a game, the kind of games where you do see high scoring and you do see um, a lot of insanity on the court, which leads to steal opportunities for the Bucks, the aforementioned uh, Giannis, he had 31 points, nine rebounds, one assist, one block. Did I actually mention him? He's the aforementioned mention that I did not mention 
There we go. It's Saturday <laughs> afternoon. He was 14 for 21 from the field, two for five from deep. Now, now I remember we were we were chatting about him prior to the show, I think, or or maybe in our Facebook messenger chat. He was one for ten from the foul line. I reckon my son could hit one for ten if I was holding him in my arms. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's what's happened. He looked like he was taking strides as a shooter two years ago, but it's just I don't think it's coming, Aaron. Uh, I think this is Janis for the rest of his career. I mean, it's, it's worse than Shaq. You know, like he, it, 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 it's hard to be this bad, you know, so he's not going to be this bad. At least he's not as bad as he was two weeks ago where he was like outside of the top 50 or something. I think we had our first ever, you know, buy low alert for Janice in, in his career, I think. Well, um, he's, he, he's, his balance is out is minus 5.08, which is worse than Drummond at minus five. And Rudy Gobert is the only guy worse in terms of dominating one category and then killing you somewhere else or vice versa. Um, it's just pretty putrid. But what are you going to do? If you've got him, you're just punting that category, essentially. Exactly, yeah. Plus, who needs balance in their lives anyway? Whatever. Just exactly. enjoy the 30 points per game. And if you've got him in points leagues, shout out to all the people who play points leagues. By the way, play category leagues as well. You should. Um, they're, they're a lot of fun. But if you've got him in points leagues, he's uh, he's he's off the charts and he's just a lock for top five. Uh the rest of the team today, Chris Middleton just keeps providing value. He had 25 points, eight rebounds, and six assists. He's just chugging along inside that. I think he's still inside the top 30. He's been amazing this season. Brooke Lopez had a double-double with 11 points and 11 boards. He just had one block today, but he's he's going to provide sneaky value. He's a guy who fell quite a lot in drafts this year, but uh, he started getting those blocks and, and still hitting threes. He had two for five today. Yeah, I saw him get dropped uh, in, in the first week. Or I think he had like a few games without threes or, or blocks, and people were dropping him, you know, because uh, whenever, whenever, anytime a player reaches 32, they think, you know, they're on like washed up alert or something. Like people want to know if they're declining, but Lopez's role is so minimal in, in the grand scheme of things in Milwaukee that for fantasy purposes, he might keep doing this for two or three more years. Shout out to Thanasis, uh, Giannis's brother, who in four minutes just was, I, I think I saw the four minutes he was playing. Like he 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 did a double dribble. Uh, he committed a couple. <laughs> he committed two turnover. He committed two turnovers. He had a double dribble, but he managed to hit a three point shot, and he looked like he'd won the lottery. <laughs> it was just <laughs> celebrating like he just won. And he might he might have won the lottery actually with the contract that he got in in Milwaukee. Yeah, I think I tuned into the game when just as Jeff Van Gundy was saying something about like, uh, you know, Janice got the Nasses into Milwaukee, but Thanasis' play has kept him in Milwaukee. And I'm like, nope, it's been Janice. It's only Janice <laughs> keeping him there. <laughs> exactly. Um, Bobby Portis had eight points and 13 rebounds in just 17 minutes. He's somehow turned into a hold, hasn't he? He's one of those, yeah, but it's he's kind of like Lou Dort was two weeks ago, you know? Uh, like, he's a hold until he's not. Uh, it just turns out that he's, uh, you know, don't let him prevent you from adding a better player off the wire, I guess. It's my advice. Oh, well, there you go. That's a good one. And that segues nicely into uh, this little read I'm going to do for Manscaped. Uh, don't forget that uh, it's coming up very soon towards that time of the year where you've got Valentine's Day and things to take care of yourself. And what a great way to do that would be with refined cologne. 
the Perfect Package 3.0. You know about that. That's for all your below-the-base grooming needs. Uh, so we don't need to crap on about that too long, but we can tell you about the refined cologne signature scent by Manscaped. Uh, it's in all the Manscaped formulas. This cologne is a perfect complement to the collection. It's light, approachable, and gentlemanly in all the right ways. Think of it as your wingman for the night as you keep fresh and ready for anything. Uh, this beautifully designed glass bottle that it comes in makes a statement, and the manly scent is attractive to set the mood. Uh, also, be sure to check out the Perfect Package 3.0. I changed my mind. I am going to tell you about it. It's got all the essentials for your below-the-waist grooming. Uh, it includes the lawnmower 3.0 trimmer and crop formulations. Yes, I'm talking about ball deodorant and toner to keep your testes as your besties. You can now use the new Manscaped Refined Cologne to complete your set and smell great anytime, anywhere. It's time to feel sexy. Get sexy back, as Justin Timberlake used to say. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code HOOPBALL20 at manscaped.com. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code HOOPBALL20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code HOOPBALL20. So good. I said it three times. Look good, smell good, feel good with Manscaped. Speaking of feeling good, this was the other good game uh, on the card today, Pedro. The Thunder storming back from 22 points down to win 127 points to 125. Shea Gilgis Alexander. People uh, were kind of worried about him, right? Because he was outside the top 50. But these last two games, it's like this is uh, what you paid for. Yeah, and he had 33 points. He had five rebounds. He had 10 assists. He had three three-pointers, a perfect four for four from the foul line. And he was 13 for 19 from the field. Importantly as well, he was also plus 18. So contributing to winning basketball. Now, where do we think he ends up? Can he get in that that sort of early third round area where I took him in a few drafts? Yeah, I think anywhere uh, like slightly outside the top 25 is fine. I just could never get on board with taking him, you know, ahead of the likes of somebody like Bradley Beal uh, at the late second round. And I saw a lot of people advocating for that. And like, I just, I was expecting too many blowouts for him to really like take off statistically. And also his defensive stats have dropped with like added uh, offensive responsibilities. So uh, yeah, he's not he's not going to be the most consistent early round player, but he's definitely going to be in that range. Yeah, and he's already inside the top forty five now after the game. I think this is updated after today. His rank is forty two on a per game basis, and I, I imagine if you look at the last two weeks, he probably is in the top twenty five or thirty two. I've got it back up to that because he was way outside. Yeah, yeah. Don't uh, nobody should have panicked on him. I think uh, there was a buy low alert on him too, and for good reason. He's he's a stud. Now your man Lou Dort had thirty nine minutes today. So that's probably your comeback to him not being that great uh, rest of season because he had twenty one points, eight rebounds, six steals, and a block. My goodness, I wish I'd held him just a little bit longer. <laughs> but he had four, <laughs> he had forty minutes, and he's not obviously going to have forty minutes every night. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, this is uh, he'll have games like these, and but still, even with this monster game, he still can't get into the top 100 for fantasy because he's just so limited in, in all the other areas. What he has become, and he, he's become a pretty good three point shooter. That thing, uh, it looks like it's sticking. He's at 2.3 threes per game, and that has value. Uh, he, if he can. Of course, he's at 1.1 steals per game right now because of the six-steal game. But if he can like hover around this area for the rest of the season, then sure, like roster him rest of season. He'll provide value. I just 
don't. Th- he's one of those defenders whose uh, whose skills don't really translate to fantasy. Now that's that's a really good example because I don't have him on my roto team anymore. I dropped him, and I'm stream. I've been streaming guys like Paddy Mills, Monty Morris, and um, Caldwell Pope, who had who by the way is inside the top 100, unlike Dort, because his percentages are so good. He had 16 points, Caldwell Pope today uh, so far anyway, and four threes. So. Would you hold Dort or would you stream guys like KCP? I would hold Dort uh, uh, now, especially after after a game like this, like just to see uh, what he can do. It's just, uh, you know, if, if somebody else pops up, like uh, uh, the aforementioned Tyrese Maxey, I would drop Dort in a heartbeat because his, his 13 points per game, uh, two, two threes, uh, four rebounds, one steal a game, those are all replaceable numbers. So it's not like one of these cases where you must hold no matter what. Yeah, like you said, he he's the 116th ranked player in fantasy right now. And so he, he is, you know, that's hold that's holdable if I can coin a phrase. But uh, uh, Darius Baisley, someone, if you see him dropped, would you go and pick him up? He had just nine points, five rebounds, two assists and two steals. But his first game back from missing a few games with uh, injury, 27 minutes for him. He was a putrid three for 12 from the field. But uh, Baisley is probably the best of the three between him and Dort and Hamadou Diallo who've been breaking out this season. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with that. I've been, I'm big into Baisley, mostly in dynasty leagues, but I think he'll have, he's one of those players. He's so young. People forget like when they're criticizing him, they forget that he's 20 years old, can't even legally drink in the U S so, uh, well, not the continental U S he can go to Puerto Rico and drink if he wants to, um, you know, but he has such a high floor for rebounds. He's averaging 7.6 rebounds. He's averaging a, a block per game. So at, at the very least, even in his bad games, he can like uh, sort of like cushion against like really cratering statistically because he has a very diversified uh, like statistical profile. And he's just going to be one of those second half players, you know, as most young players are. And speaking of streaming for deep leagues, very deep leagues, Kenrick Williams had 14 points, five rebounds, two assists and two steals. I streamed him into that 24-team league uh, when I saw that how many guys they, they had out. He's someone to watch when other guys are missing. Um, Alex Pokasevsky had just five points. Uh, he was two for seven for the field in only 12 minutes. He's only remaining a deep league guy. Hamadou Diallo. Worryingly for me, because I've streamed him in about six leagues, he only had 13 minutes today. Is he a drop? Yeah, and he was all—he was always a lukewarm ad. Uh, but he'll have weeks like this where he really takes off because he's a really good finisher and he can get to the paint and score in the paint. The thing is, when that's not working, he doesn't do much else. Mm. Uh, he's also a pretty bad decision maker on the court, so I'm not surprised that his coach pulled him early in this one. Yeah, so I, I was watching that part of the game and he when they they were down about fifteen to eighteen points for quite a while and they kept making these little runs which uh were ended by Zach Levine shooting three pointers and mistakes by the OKC, including Diallo had one where he got on a fast break and just put his arm straight into the chest of the defender and committed an offensive foul and we didn't see much of him after that sort of little three or four minute run with mistakes and I think he committed three fouls in very quick time and two turnovers so perhaps just hold a little bit longer and see what happens next game 
Yeah, not the smartest basketball player. I would be very interested in him after George Hill is traded or bought out because I think that's happening and Diallo stands to gain from those vacated minutes uh, because the improvement for Diallo finishing is real. Like he's finishing at the rim at near LeBron levels, you know, like he was at 70 something. I don't think that sticks, but he can be like a Bledsoe type finisher uh, and that has value in fantasy. And speaking of value and fantasy, Zach Levine, my goodness gracious. Uh, we were talking about this uh, off air earlier that right now it might be the prettiest thing in basketball just about Zach Levine's three-point shot, which he lets go about the same height as his slam dunks. Uh, is there anything better to watch in basketball than that release uh, from outside the three-point line? Oh, yeah. I think uh, I like watching good basketball teams. Okay. Well, yes, that is a, that's a fair comeback. But that, <laughs> and I live in Chicago. I've a, had to suffer this for three years that now. Is, that is a fair comeback. But he did, he did have thirty five points, seven rebounds, six assists, one steal. He was eight for fourteen from deep, five for nine at the foul line. That was that only part that hurt. And he's normally very good there. But he was eleven for nineteen from the field. Zach Levine is a guy I wish I'd uh, tried to get him with Kyrie Irving in week one when Kyrie Irving was going off. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This That would have been a pretty good trade actually for both sides. Um, yeah. Zach Levine, he's got to keep doing these things. He'll have those weeks. Uh, Cause right now he's at, uh, he's ranked number 22 for the season, but he'll have, since he lives and dies with his jump shot, he will have weeks where he like falls back uh, he's a very he, he can be a streaky shooter so yeah don't expect him to stick in in, in the top 25 but then top 35 40 is where he's landed the last couple of years this was a rough loss loss for the bulls i should we should say as well they're now four and eight uh they're not a great basketball team you're living in chicago how do people in chicago feel about them because look if you look at – they've got a lot of interesting players, like Patrick Williams had 14.7 rebounds, two assists today. Larry Markin had 16 points, six rebounds, hit three three-pointers, or that was a three for nine. Wendell Carter Jr. is a guy you like. He had 16 points, 11 rebounds, two assists. Uh, and they've got, of course, Levine. Kobe White was not good from the field. He had eight for 20, but he had 22 points, nine rebounds, seven assists. Exciting uh, group of players there, but it's unlikely they're going to get it together this season, isn't it? Yeah, this is a such a weird thing about being a Bulls fan, especially in the city where you think you have the next big thing, and they always turn out to be like disappointments in one way or another. So, so first it was Lowry with that hot shoot, like record breaking shoot, shooting as a rookie. Then it was Wendell Carter, but he got hurt. Uh, then it was Kobe White. He was crap for like half a season and ended up averaging 25 points per game or something like that. And now it's Patrick Williams. So it seems like we keep deferring our hopes to the next rookie that's going to disappoint us ultimately. Um, it's, a, it's a weird thing. And I think at this point, they just have to break it up and, and let the kids play to see like who actually separates from, from the rest. But I don't think that their next superstar is on the roster right now. Do you think they should trade Otto Porter Jr. away if they could get anything back for him? He, he's on a pretty expensive contract, though. Yeah, but it's an expiring contract, and I think it's going to be next to Andre Drummond's. I think it's going to be one of the more attractive uh, expiring contracts on the market. I think he gets moved, and I think Patrick Williams is going to move into a 32-minute-per-night role, and in that case, I'm, I'm big into Patrick Williams. Uh, but I also think Laurie Markkinen and Wendell Carter need fresh starts. I think Wendell Carter looks... 
like his confidence is shot. Uh, I'm I'm not nearly as high on him as I was in the preseason. So, of rookie stashes, where do you rank Patrick Williams? Is he in that neck? So you've obviously you've got Halliburton and you've got Levine. Uh, sorry, you've got Lamelo and you've got James Wiseman. Those sort of three jump out. Is Patrick Williams at the top of the next tier with with Pritchard? Yeah, yeah. No, I actually, I have Patrick Williams pretty high um, on my list. So, so it's got to be uh, like people like Ball, Halliburton, Wiseman, and then uh, Patrick Williams. And I think it, you know, uh, ahead of Anthony Edwards, mm. ahead of Pritchard, ahead of Maxi, of of Dia. I just don't think there's a ton of upside in this draft class. But then, like, there might be some late round, later round picks that could explode because it's such a flat draft. We've got two games. These are the late finishing games that weren't really finished when we started recording the pod, but uh, they are finished now. Atlanta Hawks went down 116 points to 92. They were very disappointing to the Utah Jazz, uh, who seemed to be warming up after a slow start. For the Hawks, Trey Young had four points. He was one for 11 from the field. Now, I need to apologize to Trey Young and his family, to the people of Atlanta, to Atlanta Hawks fans, to, uh, to anybody who has Trey Young on their team. Because about 10 days ago, I was walking into my local hardware store and I literally yelped with joy when I was looking at Trey Young shooting 14 for 15 from the foul line over on average over his first, I think it was four games. And he was just looking incredible. But ever since that, from the very next game, he's been awful. Uh, what can we expect from Trey? Can this be turned around and... Is he going to return that value? I drafted him at number nine. Yeah. We have to mention, this was a blowout, so there's not too much to read into. Right now, I'm looking at the, the box score, and there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight players hovering around 23% and 28% usage, uh, including the likes of Bruno Fernando and Brandon Goodwin. That's not going to happen most games. Uh, Trey Young only had a, tw- a 24% usage in this one. However, I do want to mention, did you read those rumors that Trey Young is displeased with John Collins? Yeah, like yeah, they're, sure. They're, and there are rumors. Is that for real? I, I, think, I think it's the other way around, or it starts from the other way around because John Collins is not pleased with Trey Young's shot selection at times. And, I don't know. I, I love watching Atlanta play, and I have Trey Young in that dynasty league we play, where you drafted Luca, and I ended up with Trey Young. So I'm a I'm a big, very keen watcher of when they play. The issue is, it's not just the defensive stuff with him. Some of his shot selection is very bizarre, and I mean, one for eleven today. I didn't see I didn't see today's game, but I would imagine that some of those were just ridiculous shots. Yeah, this has always been Trey's style of play, and he was, like, heavily criticized for this coming out of Oklahoma. But then, like, you know, the last two years have proven him right. Like, when he takes, when he has his 30-plus usage and takes all these shots, questionable or not, like, he puts up the numbers. They don't win, but they also didn't have the team to win. And Mm -hmm. right now, this team isn't that much different than what it was last year, save for the fact that, you know, DeAndre Hunter is slightly better but it's uh, and, and Capella's healthy, but then you know all uh, uh, Bogdan's hurt, uh, Gallinari's hurt, so their new prized additions aren't really playing. Uh, mm. And I don't know, I don't know. I think it's one of these things where Trey has to uh, like adapt to new pieces whenever they come, and and learn how to win. Um, 
And I, you know, if that's the case, then I'm not surprised that, that John Collins kind of pissed off at him. Now, uh, Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter, they were minus 23 on the box score uh, and plus minus, and Reddish was minus 34. Are these guys who ever end up contributing to winning basketball? Uh, well, I had my doubts about uh, DeAndre Hunter in the past, but it seems like at least he's got the shooting down and he's become a much better shooter. So that that sort of like suggests that he's going to be a positive contributor at some point. Cam Reddish is all over the place. Like sometimes he looks like, you know, the next great three and D and sometimes he just looks lost out there. Uh, like the, the, like Deandre Bembry, another three and D experiment that didn't quite work out. Um, I don't know. They're so young. And then the players that they added are the veterans that they added to stabilize that lineup are hurt. Mm. Um, and they just keep getting blown out. So I, I, I don't think we can read too much into this. What I will say is don't sell off any of these uh, young players like Collins or Trey Young. Like wait for them to get it together because they eventually will. They're very talented. Yep. They, they beat a, a, a healthy, you know, Brooklyn team earlier this season. Um, so we got to we got to give them the chance. And from a fantasy perspective, I should sort of apologize to Cam Reddish and say he had 20 points, five rebounds. He had a steal today. He was four for five from deep and eight for 13 in 28 minutes. He provide, He's still providing, um, you know, end of roster value. DeAndre Hunter, too, had 14 points, two rebounds, one assist. And he has been providing top 100 value this season. It was good to see Clint Capella having another double-double because I have him in a couple of spots. He was a value pick in the draft if he keeps going like this, he had 16 points. He had 11 rebounds, and the field goal percentage, which you love, was he was eight for nine from the field. Uh, for the Utah Jazz, uh, Donovan Mitchell had a big game. He had 26 points, four rebounds, four assists, three steals, six three pointers. That is beautiful from him. Mike Conley had 15 points, uh, four rebounds, eight assists, and four steals. Now Conley. He's one we should stop because he was one you told me to attack late in drafts, and he's much better this season than he was last. Yeah, he's a shooter now. He he understands his role, and he's there to defend and hit threes. He doesn't really have that much of a uh, of a ball handling role, although he still gets the assists. So uh, yeah, we start see, we started seeing Conley uh, gel with this team in the in the bubble. So I really had no concerns. Uh, I don't think he's going to stick at his current production but he's going to be a top 100 player yeah he's right now the 54th uh ranked player on a per game basis so he's probably a sell high if you could get an underperforming fifth or sixth round guy for him would you consider it yeah i would uh particularly considering conley's injury history nobody's really brought it up because it's been a while since the last time he got hurt but he's been hurt uh, uh he gets hurt a lot Here's one for you. He's right next to Tyrese Halliburton right now. Which of those would you prefer rest of season? Uh, I'd rather have Conley. I think they're both, uh, their rankings are a little bit inflated right now. I'd rather have both. Uh, of course, if Tyrese Halliburton, you know, if Buddy Heald gets traded, Halliburton's going to take off. But I don't like to deal in, uh, in that sort of speculation. Uh, speaking of speculation, let's speculate on Boyan Bogdanovich. Can he be any better than he has been? He had 17 points, but he had just three rebounds and one assist, uh, and he had no steals, no blocks. He hit three three-pointers, though. He's another one where you're pretty much better off having Jordan Clarkson, aren't you? Uh, you really are, because um, at least you know that Jordan Clarkson, when he's on the court, 
all he does is, is score. Like, it's on him to score. Whereas Bohan, when he's on the court, he still has to compete with Mitchell and Conley for the most part. So they're both empty scorers in, in, in a lot of ways. But Jordan's, like, taking it up a notch this season, and he's getting added assists, more free throw opportunities. Um, so, yeah, yeah. The thing is, like, they're similarly ranked, if I'm not mistaken, or at least they're, they're providing similar stats. Uh, the thing is, Bo- uh, Bohan was a lot more expensive on draft day. Uh, and I was like, I was off him completely and yeah. targeting the likes of Malik Beasley or uh, or Jordan Clarkson later instead. Well, their stats are similar in some ways, but Boyan is 229th and Clarkson is inside the top 70. He's 65. And that's just because of the percentages and the extra threes. And he is providing a few extra assists. And he had 17 shots today, which was the second most on the team too. So there's that that opportunity, which is obviously very, very important. Racing into the last game of the evening, and we talked about this. This was another absolute uh, – well, actually, sorry. There's two games. There's the two <laughs> LA games, and we could basically almost talk about them both at the same time because they were both absolute floggings. Let's. Uh, I started talking about the Lakers, so we'll do that one first. They won by 100 and uh, – what was it? Uh, 112 points to 95 is there anything interesting to talk about with the Lakers? LeBron James had another good game. He had 21 points, eight rebounds, 11 assists, and one steal. He's just chugging along. Anthony Davis had 17 points, six rebounds, five assists, three steals, and three blocks. Um, he was five for 16 from the field. He's not quite tuned up to uh, close to first-round value yet, but he's coming back. Um, Caldwell Pope, streamer, I mentioned he had 16 points, one rebound, one assist, one steal, but he did it four for six from deep, which is why you love him. Dennis Schroeder had 23 points, four assists, three steals, five rebounds. Uh, he was one for seven from deep and four for 14 from the field, which was not fantastic. Montrez Harrell, 17, uh, sorry, 16 points, five rebounds, one assist, one steal. He was eight for 10 from the field. What can we say about the Lakers, really, other than who's going to stop them? Yeah, there's not much to add now that the two studs are rounding into form. Uh, I'll just mention that KCP has really become like a more consistent basketball player in general since the bubble. So that's good to see. Like when you actually stream him, you kind of know exactly what you're going to get. And uh, with Dennis Schroeder is like, he's going to be rosterable all season, sort of a top 120 value uh, that he was kind of outplaying that earlier in the season. But now his percentages are going back to the norm. He won't be this bad. uh, But uh, yeah, he also won't be the top 50 player that he was that first two weeks. And for the New Orleans Pelicans, uh, they had most of their guys back. Uh, Eric Bledsoe was back. He wasn't very good, though. He had seven points, one rebound, and two assists. He has not been great. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, he had only 20 minutes as opposed to like the 40 he had the game before. He had 12 points, three rebounds, two assists. If you were streaming him, is he a drop? Yeah, he was a a drop before today, really, because he's not like a – now, now that uh, Bledsoe's back, he wasn't like an obvious stream, uh, but he did have five fouls, so that's why his playing time was so low. Um, I just wanted to say he has improved, and any time one of the starting guards are out, it looks like they're going to go with Nikhil instead of Josh Hart there. So, uh, yeah, keep him on your watch list, but yeah, he is definitely a drop. The only positive fantasy contributor for New Orleans was Brandon Ingram, and he was just barely good uh today so yeah it's not looking very good in new orleans 
Now, Zion, uh, 21 points, 12 rebounds, four assists, one block. Uh, he was three for six from the foul line. I guess the only good thing was he didn't have 10 shots from the foul line. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Zion is I, – I can't believe that – when was the last time a guy 30 games into his career already looks like a finished product? And, and you know, and that's a bad thing because he just – he's so underwhelming uh, most nights. I don't know what to make of him. So you think the stats, the rebounds, and the points are, are empty? He's another one who just doesn't contribute to winning basketball. He's um, from a fantasy perspective, he's ninety seventh right now, um, and it's not just because of the free throw percentage being bad. Yeah, I mean, I heard I heard uh, somebody compare him to Julius Randle, but even Julius Randle gets more peripheral stats than Zion Williamson. Mm. This is looking more like you know bad Zach Randolph. Um, it's just points, rebounds, and and field goal percentage, and that's it. The defensive stats from Duke were they a mirage? I mean, I don't know. Again, we are only thirty games in, but uh, for dynasty leagues, I'd be a little bit worried with Zion, even though you know he's only twenty years old and thirty games into his career. Now, the last game of the evening, uh, which I forgot because it was another one of those LA Clippers or LA Lakers floggings, was the Clippers winning one hundred and thirty-eight to 100 for the Clippers. Of course, it's Paul George and Kawhi that are just putting on the show. Paul George had 26 points, four rebounds, two assists, and he's been great this season. Uh, I got him in the middle of the second round in uh, quite a few spots. I think I have four of him or five, partially from your prompting because, uh, yeah, he's been really good and he's returning top uh, first round value. Kawhi had 27 points, four rebounds. He had six assists and one steal. He was good. Now, once we leave that, what is worth talking about? Uh, we didn't see Lou Williams today and uh, Abaka was not great. Reggie Jackson was not great. Kennard was not great. It's all just pretty empty. Marcus Morris, uh, shout, shout out to Marcus. He had 18 points and a couple of ones and some donuts. Batum looks like he's lost his value. Abaka, maybe he's not even a hold anymore. Yeah, um, I think Tyron Lue's gotten to the same realization that Doc Rivers did. It's it's like it's you have a starting center. His name is Ivica Subax. Whether you commit to him or not is your problem. But he's been better than Abaka. He was better than than Montrez Harrell. I mean, we're back at square one with Zubox. He's always going to be a guy you you keep on your watch list. But it doesn't look like he's gonna. Like the Zubak breakout isn't coming with Lou, but clearly, you know he's a better uh, a better starting center than Ibaka. Now, <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. neither of them are rosterable. <laughs> and this this will just illustrate this. Apart from uh, Kawhi and Paul George, the only other guy inside the top one hundred is Pat Beverly, and he's barely there just because of the steals and the threes that he gives. So, yeah, he's the only other guy worth considering. Yeah, you stream Pat Beverly. Although he was, he was doing pretty well for for a few weeks there. Um, the other guy that people had high hopes for was Luke Kennard. I dropped him in a twenty team dynasty league. Luke Kennard, twenty five year old Luke Kennard, is gone. So uh, that tells you all you need to know. Now the Kings, one of the most exciting teams to watch in league pass for me, and I love the Kings. I got Rashawn Holmes uh, in a lot of spots. He had seventeen points, five rebounds. One assist. Uh, he was eight for eleven. So there's that beautiful field goal percentage there, and he's thirty minutes. Marvin Bagley. Uh, speaking of guys who get a lot of points and then a lot of uh, empty, <laughs> empty categories. He had twenty points, five rebounds, two assists. 
uh, one block, eight for 12 from the field. Harrison Barnes, Harrison Barnes fell back to earth a bit. He had 14 points, six rebounds, four assists and one steal, although he has been better than advertised this season. Buddy was bad today. Darren Fox was bad today. Halliburton was very bad today. But this is a team unlike uh, the Clippers. They probably got five, even six guys who are rosterable in fantasy. Barnes, Bagley, Holmes, Heald, Fox, and Halliburton are all rosterable. Yeah, uh, Barnes is on that, uh, like he's on the margins uh, right now, especially as Tyrese uh, Halliburton keeps pushing for more minutes. But yeah, this is a very interesting rotation right now. And uh uh, a lot, a few people on the watch list, especially as Bagley has been dropped in, in any of your leagues. Um, yeah, this is one of these things where you want to find out, uh, you want to, you want to hold out to see in, if they commit to the youth movement. Because if they do, then Halliburton has top fifty upside for the rest of the season. But as it stands now, it's kind of, it's going to be the same five, five or six guys that are going to be fantasy relevant, and we're still waiting for Buddy Heald's shot to drop. Yeah, now where is Buddy, if you had to guess? What's his per game ranking? I think he might be in the 130s. I don't yeah. know. Uh, he, once he, he... Yeah, he was. I think he's up to 104, inside 110 now, but just because he had a couple of good games this week. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he was um, a guy that people talk about as a buy low, but I'm just not sure. I didn't have the courage to go through with it. I didn't want to buy him. No, because he's a one-trick pony. He fooled all of us two years ago uh, with that. You know, he shot in the high 40s, and he looked like a complete, like a three-level scorer. But it turns out that he only shoots threes. <laughs> um, so that means he's going to have a low field goal percentage, even though he's a, his effective shooting percentage is going to be good. Fantasy doesn't really reward uh, uh, effective field goal percentage. Mm. So, uh, so you're stuck with that low 40s. If you're lucky, because right now I think he's high 30s in shooting, which is even worse. Um, yeah, I mean, you you have to hold, buddy, because there are very few players who are going to get you, you know, uh, four threes a game. But, yeah, it hasn't been great early on. Pedro, I have kept you well past midnight Chicago time. It is now uh, 5.30 in the afternoon on Saturday in Australia, and it must be uh, 12.30 a.m. for you. Thank you so much for joining us again. Uh, it's been fantastic having you on and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you in, well, it won't quite be two weeks because we started a bit later, probably be about 10 days' time. We'll have you on midweek to do some more rest of season value and some box scores with you. For sure. I hope there's less COVID confusion by then, but uh, yeah. that might be wishful thinking. Good on you, Pedro. Thank you very much. All right. Cheers. And to everybody else, thank you very much for joining and for putting up with me today. It's Saturday afternoon and I've fought off my uh, my toddler and my uh, infant son from crawling all over me and still managed to get through the show with Pedro. I hope you enjoyed it very much. Uh, on uh, Monday, or will it be Monday? It'll be Sunday night in the US and Monday in Australia where we are. Scott will be doing a review of all the weekend games and stick look out for that get over to hoop-ball.com and support us take care keep rocking and stay safe bye for now everyone This has been a Hoop Ball presentation.
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.